Brilliant. Thank you, Duff. And uh, Mike's working very good. Good morning, everyone. You know, it's so good to be here. Um, when I was, when I was um, doing final preps last night, I thought um, the fact that we can come here to church face to face in, in, in the season we're in at the moment is amazing. I almost thought maybe we should digress and worship for 60 minutes and just give thanks that we can be here. But maybe we should save that for later. <clears throat> Guys, I'm very excited about this morning. Um, so we've been, for the last five weeks, been in a series uh, called The Seven Giants. And um, it's, been a, it's been a great series so far. And I'm going to just give a bit of context uh, to those uh, who haven't been with us on this journey for the last five weeks. And I, I know there's quite a few dialing in also. And so to you from George, my folks are in George and Pretoria, and there's a lot of people dialing in uh, who's not been part of uh, the, the series. So I'm just going to give a bit of context. Enjoy your rusks in bed if you're still in bed. <laughs> Have fun. Um, so the, the, the seven giants, you're probably wondering what's, what's all this about if you've not been with us. If I take you back to the start of um, the Old Testament, God was leading the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, and Moses was their leader. And Moses sent out 12 spies to go and check out this promised land. And only Joshua and Caleb came back with good reports. The other 10 spies came back and said, whoa, there are some big stuff going down in the promised land. <clears throat> there are big giants there. Seven giants in the form of seven nations, actually. That's there, and we are frightful. We don't, we don't think we can go in there. So because of the fact that people receive this bad report, and instead of holding on to the promises of God and, 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 and walking into what He's got for them and relying on them, God was a bit um, displeased with, with what happened. And as a result, they wandered in, in the desert for 40 years until the elderly folk in that group passed on because they were the ones being fearful. And when you look at those seven nations, each of those nations... And you can look in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. They name the nations. I'm not going to name them this morning. They're quite hard to pronounce. <clears throat> but they all have specific traits and characteristics, those nations, which epitomize a lot of the traits and a lot of the things that trip us up, a lot of the giants that's in our lives that often trip us up as a people to walk into the promises that God's got for us. So we've been unpacking those giants in the last five weeks. We've got three left, including today's one. And let me just quickly um, <clears throat> call out those giants that's, that often creeps up in our lives and manifests in our lives because of the sin um, in our lives. So the first one is um, wanting to look good. That's often a giant that trips us up, wanting to look good, wanting to feel good, um, always being right, the need to, to, to be right, um, the need to stay in control. I think that's something that I know for us in Germans in particular, we like to be in control, something that often trips us up to the detriment of what God actually has for us. Then today's one is um, hidden agendas, which I'm, which I'm excited to share about. And then two that's coming is um, using things for personal advantage or gaining personal, uh, personally from, from situations. And then the last one, remaining undisturbed. Just don't bother me. Leave me in my safe space. Don't disturb me. Often that's also a hindrance for God to actually move us into a place of, uh, into the promises He's got because of just the discomfort it causes. 
All right, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack hidden agenda this morning. And when I was structuring um, the preach and thinking about it, I was saying to um, John last night that prepping for a preach is quite interesting. You, like three weeks ago, things started dropping in your heart. And then five days ago, I thought I had it. And then two days ago, God works in you. And you're like, oh, I'm all over the place again. And then it all comes together nicely. So where I'm going to start today is I'm going to start with the source of the hidden agenda. Who's the master of the hidden agenda? And for that, I want to ask you to please um, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 3, or pick up your tablets and your phones, go to Genesis 3, verse 1 to 13, and I'm going to pause for 30 seconds and give you time to get there. I'm going to embrace the silence for 30 seconds. Because often we ask people to turn places and then we don't give them time to get there, right? <laughs> All right, I, I assume you've clicked away and you, you're on Genesis 3. <clears throat> so I'm going to read for us um, from verse 1 to 6, and then I'm going to jump to verse 13, so seven verses in total. So let me give you a quick a bit, just context background where we're at here. So Genesis 1 and 2, God's created the earth in six days, and he rested the seventh day. Um, and he also created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, in the garden of Eden, and they wandering around. And then this happens. All right, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had been made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither sh shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman, this is quite important, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and so she also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And if you jump to verse 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So <clears throat> where I want to kick off is, as you can see, it clearly says there, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. What's, a few things that stand out to me there is that Satan, through, through, the, through the serpent here, was and is still very crafty in his ways. He plays games. Um, he, he's, he's, he appears to be one thing and he's something else. He's very crafty in his ways. Um, he said one thing here, but meant another. He said, do this and this and this, and you'll even, it says there, you'll be like God, but he had, he had different intentions. And this is then quite important also. He said, he used what looked good, delightful to the eyes, and something very innocent. Eat from this great fruit, it's amazing. Um, to deceive man, which had rife consequences for man. He used an event, walking in the, in the garden, um, for his own benefit. And you'll see as I unpack hidden agendas, this often happens with a hidden agenda. Um, it's used for, for personal gain. So the consequences of that, of that moment in, in history was, 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 was rife. It was hectic. In fact, that resulted in God having to send his son for us way later. And also it says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, 
And I think that was the root of what I'm going to read now. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. So inherently, and I know this sounds a bit heavy at the start, but just bear with me. It's going to get much better, um, much more positive. Inherently, us as a flesh, us as a, as, a, as a people, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things, unless we overlay it with the Spirit of God and getting close to Him. So, so that's a bit of the context as to the origin of the hidden agenda. It started right there. <clears throat> so practically, how would we define that in a day, on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm going to get very practical here because I'm a quite a practical guy. Um, I think all of us would agree in the last 12 months especially, when, when we've been on these Zoom calls or these Teams meetings, or, and I've got some colleagues here this morning, we all know about Teams meetings from 8 to 5, and, but even if you're not 8 to 5 at a desk, I think we all have been subject to meetings in our lives, often, every day. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, mostly for meetings, good meetings, agendas are drawn up, a running order is drawn up, and it's circulated for a couple of reasons. I'll, I'll highlight a few. The first one is it clearly communicates expectations as what's going to happen at the meeting. So there's no surprises, right? This is what's going to be discussed. You've been, you've been invited here for a reason, and, and this is the agenda. Um, it puts items on the table from the start. So in most instances, things are on the table. It eliminates most surprises. And let's not be naive. Sometimes in meetings, things pop up, and, and there are new discussion points. But inherently, 90 or 80% of the meeting is about this topic. And we all know why we're there. It allows for mutual preparation, so that when the parties arrive, we, we, we both are relatively prepped and has at least dwelled on certain things, reflected on some things, and it's ready to engage in a healthy manner. And, and I wrote this down, and then I thought about it, but I think it's true. It, it breeds an element of trust. If, if, you, if you up front say to people, please, can you join me for this meeting, or um, please, can you come to my house just to hang out as friends, um, and, that's, and that's the true intent, it, and you repetitively ex exhibit that behavior, it breeds an element of trust. You know what you're in for, consistency, and all that. So that's a bit of, I wanted to get very practical with agenda, the, the agenda part of hidden agenda. So that's that. That's that. But have you, have you ever turned up at a meeting where you've had an agenda and then someone goes, the person leading the meeting goes, so now that I've got everyone here, what I actually wanted to talk about, <laughs> what I actually wanted to discuss today is the building fund. That's why I invited the engineers, the, the QSs, and some business folk here, because you're the building fund. That was, not, that was not what the expectation of the meeting was necessarily. An alternative could have been, hi guys, I'm organizing a meeting about the building fund, and I've invited you intentionally because I think you've maybe got some things to share about that. Um, why, why not join us so that we can explore? It's not putting anything on anyone, it's just giving everyone a heads up, and people can then prep in their minds and their hearts as to what's, what's going to happen. So that's a, that's a bit of a practical example. If you want to make it a bit lighter and more social, let's think about just in, being invited to a breakfast with a friend, or being invited to um, people's houses for a braai. And you, so if, if, if John and Cindy would invite me to a, to a, to a, to a braai, I'm thinking, cool, we're going to hang out as mates, we're going to have some surprise zero, we're going to bry, and we're going to, talk about, we're going to talk about friends. It's truth, it's truth, right? We're going, to, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to talk about our kids, and about South Africa, and about the Springboks, and about how's church going down at the moment. Or, you know, so that's the, that's, but if we get there, and suddenly something else, now that I've got you here, Chalky, what I actually wanted to talk to you about, deep breaths, deep breaths. 
because that was not what, what you know, like these ones, right? That was not what, 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 what the expectation was. And, and sometimes that, there's a bit of disillusion in that moment. So I just wanted to, um, from the outset, say those things happen. It's real. Um, and when I, when, I, when I thought about that, I, I jotted down the following few points. This giant of hidden agenda is like a snowball with a rock in it. If you've ever been exposed to snow, just picture this nice fluffy white snowball and you're standing there, I've got two little kids, if I throw a snowball at them and it hits them on the chest, it's going to just explode and they're going to go, ha ha, I love them, they're going to do butterflies in the, in, the, in the snow, right? But if there's a rock in the middle of a snowball and it hits them and they're expecting nice soft, rock, soft snowball and it hits them on their chest and they go, and they stagger back, what just happened here? There's this shock, there's this, no, you said and you showed me that there's a snowball coming and something else hit me. Massive surprise. This giant is generally, um, so it appears to be one thing, but when it hits you, there's unexpected surprise. This giant is generally a user and self-seeking. So in the hidden agenda, it's often for the person's own benefit. Because, and, and we saw in the garden there, the serpent had an agenda for their own benefit. So there's a, there's a lot of self-centeredness around the hidden agenda. The giant hides one thing in its heart while proclaiming something else, and hidden agendas are generally filled with some form of deceit, um, and, 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 and not, not, the, not the truth. It's like, now you see this, now you don't. It's like, you know, this is what I'm actually, this is why I invited you, but no, this is the real reason. There's a bit of sort of two masks uh, that come to light there. To bring it home and make it even uh, more practical, I want to share two personal stories with you. So I've spoken about sometimes being the recipient of a hidden agenda, just through what I've discussed. But I've also realized, and this is when the preach went through my own heart first, that sometimes I've had hidden agendas in certain instances. And, and, and it's real. So two examples. I'm going to go back to when I was a student at the University of Pretoria, 1998-99. And I was in a raise with 240 blokes, and there were about six raises, men's raises, and there were about six ladies' raises. And on a Sunday night, um, there was a big uh, church, there's still a big church in Pretoria, um, that seated like 1,500 students at a time. So, to be honest with you, 50% of the time, I got dressed, we all got dressed up in res with our number ones on, because it was still the 90s, and, and we had to wear a suit and jacket, and we went to church 50% of the time because we wanted to hear the Word of God and go to church for, what it's, for the real reasons. But the other 50% was because maybe one of the ladies will see me. And maybe afterwards I can go for coffee with them. Right? I only realized, prepping now for this, that was actually the agenda at the time. And, and it's real. I think we've all done it, right? So I know it's very subtle, but that is also some form of hidden agenda. Okay. That's the first example. The second example, you're going to laugh. And this is a, I want to upfront say, please, and this is personal conviction. So if you're on this social media platform, please keep going if it's working for you. I'm going to talk about Facebook for a moment. Facebook, right? So, so and Nicolene, my wife, is sitting there, knows this story, and I'm going to share, and you're going to laugh. So, so I, I was on, Nicolene and I started dating in 2013, and about nine months into our relationship, it was serious by then because we were 34, so we had to sort of get to a point pretty quickly if we wanted to, you know, go whichever way. Um, and at that point... I'd been on Facebook for eight years, since 2005, and it was my birthday, and I was sitting on the couch, and, and, and I, but then I realized I was going onto Facebook just to get, 
I was not really posting messages. I wasn't posting photos. I wasn't messaging people in Australia because I lived there for seven years. None, none of that. I was going there and scrolling down and just getting. And what, what are those people doing? What's happening here? What's happening here? And I was subconsciously looking for those pings or those messages from people that I maybe had a history with. Just maybe like this, you know, whatever. So on my birthday, I, I, I don't think she was an ex-girlfriend, but she, we, we, were, we, had, we, had, like, we were close, right? So she... She... Anyway, we, were f we went for coffee a few times. Um, so, so on my birthday, I get a message from this girl, and I respond, and she responds, and I respond. But it's like all innocent, right? And Nicolene's sitting with me on the couch, and she's my number one, and I know I'm going to marry her, and it's all good, but I'm engaging with this here. So Nicolene gets up, and I don't, she, she won't mind me sharing this because I think this might be helpful for a few of us. So she gets up, and she goes to the passage. And she closes the door completely. And she asks me, is this door closed or shut? So I'm like, no, it's closed. Then she opens it very wide. And she goes, is this door open or closed? So, so it's, it's open, right? And then she puts the door on a jar. Op a skreefie, as the Afrikaans is. Op a skreefie. A jar, just, you can see a sliver of light. She asks me, is this door open or shut? It's open, right? It's not open wide, but it's open. And then she just said, just think about whether there are back doors on Facebook in terms of our relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, in that moment, I was so convicted by this because it was the truth. It was the brutal facts that I deactivated, you have to deactivate your Facebook account. It's quite a thing. You've got to deactivate a bunch of, so anyway, deactivate is gone. I haven't been on Facebook since. It's amazing. But um, it was a lifesaver because hidden agendas were creeping in subtly into my social media. It's just something to think about. I'm not putting it on anyone. I'm just saying it's, it is real. Um, and go with personal conviction. You might be amazing at managing those things, but it was a bit of a stumbling block for me. It crept, crept up. That giant was making a presence in my life. Okay. And uh, fortunately, because of that, um, doing that, we, we ended up married. We're happily married with two children. It's amazing. But I had to deal with that. Okay, so that's a bit of context. So, what, so, so clearly, what is the impact of these hidden agendas or these giants in our lives? A couple of thoughts. Firstly, it erodes trust. If, if continuously that hidden agenda creeps up with, within relationships, it's probably the biggest relationship wrecker. The thing that wrecks relationships most are these hidden agendas, these angles. I call them angles that creeps in. These, um, another, another name for hidden agenda is... Um, ulterior motives. You've got different motives. And if that continues, it, the, the, there's an element of distrust that creeps in. It creates skepticism, um, resentment and anger can creep in. And you go from being close to arm's length because you're not sure what you're going to expect. The consistency sort of wavers. And then the last point before I go to the good news, um, it's highly disappointing and devastating because here's the thing. With hidden agendas, the truth always reveals itself at some point. And when you realize that, either whether you're the recipient or where it's manifested in your own life, that is, it's hectic and it's, it's hurtful. So just a few things, the impact of hidden agendas are, are, are real. Okay, so that was the context. We started in Genesis, which is the source of the hidden agenda. We got real with examples, and I shared a few stories about in the practicalities and what the impact could be. 
But what's the, what's the counter or the, how do, you, how do I put it, the, the antidote to the alternative to this hidden agenda? And I want to touch on two, two cup, uh, a couple of things quickly. I want to touch on the journey of Scripture from Old to New Testament, and I want to look at Jesus' life on earth and how he lived. Because that's obviously the best reference point when it comes to um, uh, confronting these giants in our lives. So the first point is around the flow of Scripture from Old to New Testament. And it's a beautiful thing. If you go and look in the Old Testament, you'll see that everything that happened or is still to happen was prophesied or predicted. And I'm going to share some Scripture now, which points to me that, which shows me that there's a truthfulness and a consistency and a no surprises and a no hidden agenda and a no ulterior motives that comes out in what's being prophesied as to what actually happens. Let me explain it with a real example. If you look at Isaiah 7 verse 14, the prophet Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's, that's quite accurate, right? What happened years later? <laughs> Jesus was born in a manger. All of that came, came to fruition. So the people who was listening to Isaiah at the time got the information. God knew his son was going to be born. He, through Isaiah, um, through a conduit, got it to the people. The people knew there was no surprises. Actually, when the Messiah was born, people knew that was coming. There was no, it wasn't like, wow, there's a baby born. Let's figure out, is he the king, is he not the king? It was people knew because of what happened in the Old Testament. came to fruition. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Again, the, the crucifixion happened. It wasn't just something prophesied and let's figure it out. There were different angles, this or that. It was on point. On point predictable and consistent as to what's going to happen. And this third one I want to, I want to uh, reference is, is very real because it's so word for word. The, in Psalm 22 verse 1 it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where have you heard that before? That's David in the Psalms. Fast forward to Jesus on the cross. It says in Matthew 27 verse 46, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, the conclusion here is the Bible can be trusted as the living word of God, um, and you can depend on it. It is not full of surprises. If you're reading the Bible at the moment and there are promises that's jumping out to you coming from God, and you're convicted those promises are for you, hold, I want to encourage you, hold on to them, because there's no hidden agendas. It's, it's real. It's up and down. This is the promise. In His time, it will come to fruition. It's either happened or it will happen. There's no angles. God doesn't work with angles. His, his, his truth is straight up and down. It's up to us to go and hear from him what he's got to say to us. Okay, so, so, so there are no hidden agendas, ulterior motives in the word. So that's the first thing I wanted to do reference as the counter to our, the heart is deceitful above all things, our fleshly desires, our, you know, our soul. Um, the spirit of the Lord is consistent, it's true, and the word shows it. It's the spoken word of God. That's the first thing. Then secondly, if you look at how Jesus lived on earth, this, this, is, this excites me because um, Jesus walked the earth <clears throat> for two main purposes. And his motives were very pure and real. The first was 
to glorify his father and to love his father, number one. And the second one was to love people. That's it. He just came for that. As the servant king, he came to give, not to get. And we, we read earlier, and when we unpacked what hidden agendas are, that hidden agendas are about using and getting, gathering. Jesus came to give. He didn't come to get. It says in two, in two scriptures here in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Um, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He came to make it easier for us to give. He didn't come to get. He didn't, he didn't heal people to look good. He didn't heal people to feel good. Um, he didn't do it to, to, to show that he's in control. And um, he, he, he did it, what's, what's the other one I was going to reference? Um, he, didn't, he didn't do it to show that he is, he is right. He didn't have to be right all the time. He just did it to show love, to impact lives, and to honor and glorify his Father. That's it. That's, that, that, is, that is why he came and why he lived. Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So it's, it's quite directional in terms of how we should live. Love God, love people, um, for others, not for us, not for self-gain. Have, have pure up and down, straight up and down agendas, no, no ulterior motives. A couple of things that jumped out to me here is um, most people on earth are trying to get something, but Jesus is trying to give something. Most of us want to get. I mean, I'm, like, I'm the same. We always, most things we do, okay, how can I get? How can I, that, 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 that. But no, how can I give? We even do it in our closest relationships, in our families. How can I feel good in this moment? How can I get here? How can I benefit? How can I be comfortable? How can I show that I'm in control? No, that's hidden agenda. Like, let's, let's, be, let's, let's rather be that way looking as opposed to this way looking. That's the first thing. So most people on earth try to get something. Jesus came to give. Most people are looking for favors, but Jesus was looking for the cross. Most of us, when we engage, we often look for favors here and there. And Jesus came to look for the cross, to give. So very practically, just to, to close up and to land, I know it's a relatively short sermon, but I, I wanted to keep it quite punchy because there's quite a bit in there. Um, three quick things, maybe how we can practically try and combat this. The first one is, why don't we ask God to remind us to check our hearts, that we check our hearts, the intent and motives in every situation. And it's got to do with those little voices that you hear. Why don't we ask God to, when we send something or invite people or organize this meeting, that he'll help us check our hearts as to what's our real intention here. And to be honest, personally, that's facing the brutal facts. And I have to go, and go deep as to what is the real reason why I'm inviting these. Am I making friends with these people because they've got a ski boat on the vol and hopefully they'll invite me one day? Right? That's a, that's a very practical example about a hidden agenda. Or am I making friends with these people because I just love them, we connect, we, we're good for each other, and, and we do life together. So then when you go for coffee, you talk about those things. You don't sort of try and find out when's the next trip to the vol and try and pay for the meal so that you get the invite. That's, that's, let's, let's check our motives. I know this is quite, you know, but 
it's real. What is our, what is our real motives here? What's, let's, let's ask God to reveal that to us in every situation. And, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I'm, I'm just thinking now a meeting I had last week um, with, with, with my boss. So, because we don't get a lot of time together, in that meeting he said, while, while I'm with you, I just want to discuss one or two other things with you. But it wasn't pulling me into something for his own benefit. It was just, we haven't had time to discuss these two things. It was about business. So, and that happened. That's, that's fine. That's going to happen. I'm talking about completely inviting people for something and then completely coming with an angle. Get, someone getting a notebook out and going, actually, this is what I, you already penciled in because that's different. Okay, so the first thing is, let's ask God to check our hearts. The second thing is, why don't we do what it says in Matthew 5, verse 37? It says there, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Let's be straight up and down people. Let's just be real and pure, and your yes is your yes, and your no is your no, no gray areas, no, no angles in between, and actually I want this, and, and, and play games. It's not helpful. It, it really is. It's like the lukewarmness that's also, that's also spoken, to, uh, spoken about in Revelation. Let's either be this or that. Okay, so that's the second thing. Let our yes be our yes. I, just, I think one of the things I treasure most in life is consistency in people. And, just, and that's why Jesus is so amazing because we, every day is, is consistent. <laughs> Word's consistent. He's consistent. His love is consistent. Whereas we are, we can be, as a people, we can sometimes be a bit flaky now and then. But let's, 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 let's try and mold our lives on how Jesus walked. And then the third one, and to close, let's get close and intimate with Jesus. Let's, um, I don't know the gentleman's name who, who shared earlier about kids. I don't know his name. What's his name's Dimitri. <laughs> How's it, Dimitri? <laughs> so, you, you shared on this. Let's, let's get... Let's read, our, read the word. Let's get intimate with God every day in our families because what it does is it softens our hearts and we get the truth that I just spoke about in the word, that, that consistent truth. It gets it into our hearts so that this heart that is deceitful above all things is overwritten, over, over, overridden. Is that the word? Overridden by the Spirit of God, by His truth, by His gentleness, by His love for us, by our love for others, then we'll hear the right voices and not yield to our fleshly selves and to the heart that is deceitful above all things. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Centre Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.